Welcome back and thanks for joining us here on Pro Talks. Uh, we have brief conversations with industry leaders exploring moments that shape their careers and industries. Pro Talks is sponsored by the PR office and today I'm joined by Dan Stein, director at Hype Property Search. Dan, thanks for joining us. Pleasure, thanks for having me. Um, so you describe Hype as an exclusive home search agency. What does that actually mean? In a nutshell, that is a celebrity home search agency. So if you're too famous to pick up the phone to an estate agent, we do it for you. Wow, okay, so too famous to pick up, what, what qualifies you to be too famous to pick up the phone? Um, we have different levels of famous, from the Instagrams and I'm a celebrity, to genuinely famous, and that could be a footballer, Hollywood film star, musician, those kind of people. So wait, why, why would they not want to pick up the phone to speak to uh, an estate agent? Because without choosing any newspapers, why would you want rumours in the Daily Mail that you're looking at a home in this area that is X amount, when A, it may not be true, B, you might just be looking. Um, so half of our job is finding a home for somebody, the other half is privacy. So uh, do estate agents kind of leak some of their clients to the press is that what is kind of alluded to or or is it the person who ends up showing around the celebrity around their own home it could be anybody it could be it could be an estate agent it could be somebody who works in their office it could just be somebody on the street walking past and if somebody knows that a person is going to be at a certain place at a certain time then obviously it makes it a lot easier to get a photo whereas if nobody knows who we act for and where they're going to be, etc. then that is where we come in and we earn our money by making sure we're the only people who know who that person is. Well, that's, um, I never considered that would be a, a, a huge factor, but then again, I'm, I'm not Instagram famous yet, so I say yet. It's not this way. So, I mean, how, how does one go about even thinking about starting something like that? Where does that concept uh, where did it strike you? It's being honest with you, the whole thing started by accident. <laughs> um, a lot of luck. And we were contacted by an accountant who I know. And he said to me, can you help a client find a flat in London? I said, yeah, of course. Why not? Um, that was the easy bit. Then the requirements started to come through. And I didn't know who we were acting for at the time. And I thought it was just a random client. Um, and then it turned out, I found out the day before, that it was basically a Hollywood actress who was effectively Hollywood royalty. Um, and I hadn't acted for any celebrities before. I didn't know about non-disclosure agreements. Oh, wow, okay. Didn't know about personalised terms with private banks. Didn't know about any of the way that this world, little separate world works and had to discover it quite quickly. So why did, uh, why did this person come to you? How did you be that that guy it was purely that the she had an accountant in LA who knew the accountant in London who knew me and it was very much a case of right place right time the phone rang and I answered it um, and from there it kind of just spiraled into something which I would never believe where it's ended up so it sounds like you had to kind of very quickly upskill on a lot of things you had to learn all the things that you didn't know you didn't know yep um, you don't send someone like that to just a normal conveyance or on the high street. They need a specialist law firm. They need specialist mortgage advisors. They need specialist surveyors, specialist architects. And 
after this client took some time out to make sure I had the right network to recommend as opposed to just trying to learn my way through it because you get found out quite quickly. Gotcha. So let, let's backtrack a second. What were you doing before you picked up this uh, phone call regarding the, the Hollywood actress? Uh, I was actually running my own commercial property agency and finding people offices and shops across London. So quite a, quite a change. Completely different, but I have done residential property in the past. And from my background, which is 20 years in property, finding a property is finding a property. It's basically it's matchmaking and understanding a person and what makes them tick and what they're looking for. And then finding it isn't the hardest thing. So what made you special and better at doing this for the, the Hollywood elite and the Instagram famous and the I'm a celebrity get me a new home? Um, understanding A, what they're looking for. So a lot of these people want super private places. So when I walk into somewhere, I know what meets that criteria. Okay. And um, what sort of thing is that? That could be anything from huge hedges at the front of a house to there's a block of flats in North London where you go into the underground car park. From there, you've got your own garage door within that mm. and your own lift that goes up into your flat. So you never actually have to see another human being ever if you don't want to, unless you want to go to the concierge and collect your Amazon delivery. So it depends what level of privacy you want for your everyday life. And so how do you go about finding those properties? Um, a lot of time on the phone to estate agents is the simple answer. Uh, and how does that conversation go? Because uh, obviously you wouldn't want to say I'm acting for someone who's famous who I'm not going to tell you who they are, but how does that go? They will find out eventually because obviously we have to put the deal together and they have to find out who the buyer is. And now that there's all the anti-money laundering laws, mm. we have to abide by those. But certainly at the viewing stage, there is no need for them to find out and they would have signed plenty of non-disclosure agreements before a name is ever mentioned. I, I understand that. Okay, so again, you, going back, you said that after you, you had this uh, introduction to the um, Hollywood icon, yeah. um, you took some time out and, and upskilled and, and learned the stuff that you needed to learn. What did that process look like? How did you go about finding out what you needed to know and then how did you go about actually learning it? It was more about the people that I was meeting. So it's about saying, right, I need to introduce a mortgage broker. But I need to know, do they have the right connections? Who else have they acted for? Without even necessarily naming names, but by checking who they know. Um, that, that kind of thing. So it was more about building my network of who I could introduce, which isn't as an add-on to the business in terms of making money, but it's an add-on that if someone's buying a home in the UK and they know nothing about UK property, then they need those introductions. Wow, okay. So if you're, if you're big part of, of what you need to do is, is networking, it sounds like it's a fairly core part of your day-to-day. -day. Is that right? Yes, very much. So how do you do it? That's a great question because there's loads of networking events out there most of which for the industry I'm in can only be described as a waste of time. Why? Because if I went to a normal networking event and someone knew what I was doing, yes, they'd be pitching at me all day long, but are they the right person to introduce to my clients or their advisors? Not necessarily. So it took a while to work out how we get our business and what, who the right people to go to to get business are for us 
and the right way for us is through professionals. Okay. Uh, so how do you how do you identify this? Because I, I want uh, people who are listening to be able to you know, take potentially something concrete from this and, and understand how they can go about uh, what steps they need to go about to effectively grow their network that will help them in their industries and in their business rather than just growing their network of people who want to get business from them. I think one of the most satisfying things I did was I went through every business card I had on my desk and I looked at them all and I took a, literally took a morning and I worked out, are they useful? Have I ever spoken to them? Are we gonna do business? And anyone that went in the no, I shredded. And what's the point of keeping all these business cards for the most random, never gonna happen point of time? And I'm starting to work out who are you gonna do business with? And that's gonna be where are my clients gonna come from or could they be of use to my clients? So is it somewhat creating a bit of a kind of a flow chart of clients coming first contact what are all the steps they need to to do to get from contact to contract and beyond and then are they the right or the best person to do that in the industry correct so for example a financial advisor may introduce a client to us we'll help them find a home we may not ever help them with anything again and we might end up recommending them to a security company to an architect to a builder etc but we won't just introduce one person. We'll say, here are three architects, speak to them. We think this person will probably suit your personality best, but as part of the business, we don't take referral fees, so we remain independent. Okay, so, so how do you meet, how do you go about meeting and gaining credibility with some of these people? Because I, I imagine it's a bit of a closed network. It's a very much a closed network, and it comes from time and meeting people more than once. And part of that is, again, so if I wanted to introduce an architect, I would know that they've been working with... They know everything gets an in, is an introduction. So it's very rare that I have a meeting that I'm not then introduced to an insurance broker who's doing this, 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 and this, or an architect, etc. because it is a very closed network. And after a while, you start to realise you've met most of the people, and it all goes around these nice little circles of people who work together, and you start to break through into them. And so is it breaking through the one person within that closed circle who kind of brings you in, or do you really need to break into three, four, five to, to kind of be in the fold? Look, the more you can break into, the better, but it only takes one person for you to be in their mind at the right time to break into that. Um, Obviously, yeah, if you've got three or four people who recommend you, it's even better. But if you can just get into that one person who has the ear of the client, then that's all you need. Because it's low volume on the sort of deal front, because you're, you're dealing with much more bespoke and personal service. Is that right? Correct. So we're not necessarily doing 10 deals a week. For us, we could be doing a deal a month. But it's the quality of the service that we're offering. Mm. And obviously, some deals can go through in two weeks because we do rentals as well as buying. And some deals can go on for six months. It just depends on the chain and the property, etc. Oh, that's really interesting. So where introduction emails and introduction uh, meetings happen, what's a, what's a good one look like? What does a bad one look like? 
in terms of what? Of an effective introduction. How do you make an effective introduction to someone that you know the parties, the two parties involved, your, um, you know, Mrs. X meet Mr. Y, you do this, you do that, now take it from here? Is, or is there much more background that goes into it? Is it short and sweet? Do you want to give people's entire life histories? What's, what's a good intro email? And, and what would you recommend the people who are listening of you know, every stage of their career? How do you make a good intro? I think for me, it's about quality, not quantity. So if someone gets an intro from me, they know it's a good intro. They know that it's going to happen, as opposed to throwing lots of random introductions that aren't necessarily going to lead to business. Now, it might be that we'll introduce two insurance brokers. So it's not guaranteed business, but it's a quality, here's a good chance for you to pitch. But if someone, you know, the clients we deal with, they don't read massive emails. Mm. They just want quick, sharp. I find my emails now are more four, four words than our sales pitch. I think that's a, that's a growing trend in general. I think, you know, previously, you'd, when I, I started uh, my career, you'd write an email like you'd write a letter and it would be very formal and it would be, you know, three paragraphs long, nice introduction, all of that. And now it really is, you know, get to the point because of things like instant messaging and things like that. Um, intros... I find that you know the, the shorter and sweeter the better, but they've also got to be some form of an action point there. It's got to be some form of, you know, this person could help you with this. This person has this that, that is useful for you. You should speak because of these reasons rather than, you know, Dan, I'm introing you to Ben. Have a great time. Sometimes, but at the same time, I could end up, literally, if someone says, I need PR, I could just WhatsApp your contact details over with no intro because that way it's in their phone, it's in the right place, they press one button, they're on the phone, and they don't necessarily need, if they trust you, and they wanna hear who you are and what you're gonna recommend, then it doesn't matter how you do that. But I, I'd assume you'd, if you, if, let's take that as a case study. Um, if, if you would, if someone was to say to you, you know, I need PR, um, even if that was you know, one of your financial advisors, a lawyer, or one of your celebrity clients, you're saying, you know, I need PR for whatever reasons, you'd give them my contact details, but you'd also tell me, just to let you know, you might yeah. want to expect a phone call from this yeah, person. You'd, you'd get a phone call saying, by the way, I've given your name exactly. to somebody, don't be surprised, because I'm not gonna tell you who it is in case they don't call you. Hmm. So I'm gonna say, by the way, Ben, your name's gone to someone, don't get a shock if your mobile rings, but, but that's what's happened. And, and I suppose you have to build up the trust and the um, the understanding of both parties. So, you know, we've, we've known each other for years. So being able to say, um, I've given you a mobile number to somebody, I can't really tell you who it is, but I know that you're not going to have given it out to just anyone. No, it's about, again, it's about quality, not quantity. That's, and that's what it all comes down to. So rather than just trying to be out there pitching business to you left, right, center, it's about the right one at the right time. Gotcha. And you know that probably 90% that phone should ring. What you do with it from there is entirely up to you. <laughs> and, and you mentioned WhatsApp. Do you, it, do you use that as a method of communication? Or is it pure email? I hate WhatsApp. Really? I think whoever invented it should be shot. Wow, because that's strong terms. No, you, get, you get people who send like a whole sentence, but it comes through as eight WhatsApps and your phone's vibrating across a table. And it's like people have lost the ability to communicate. Now, personally, pick up the phone. I hate WhatsApp, I hate email, I hate all of it. Pick up the phone, have a three-minute conversation, much quicker, job done. 
doesn't exist. It's so funny because th- there's definite two schools of thought here. There's some people and a lot of people that I know, especially within the UK, I'd say, who say, you know, I want someone to call me. I want to have that human conversation. It's so important. And then there's a lot of other people, and I'd say from my experience, especially within the tech world, that say, if my phone rings, I actually get angry. I get annoyed. Who is interrupting my day? Who thinks that their time is more important than my time, that they can just call me without having set up a, a, a call in the past? And it's such an interesting, I think, cross-cultural and cross-industry uh, divide. Whereas, you know, if it, you send me an email, you send me a WhatsApp, I can answer it in my own time. Uh, I've got a friend of mine who works for a television company and mm-hmm. her job is negotiating contracts and she's mm-hmm. part of the legal team. Now, behind email, absolute bulldog. If someone picks up the phone to try and iron out a point, it's, she's like cowering and has to call them back. Or like, <laughs> it's just, so everyone's different. For me, I like the convenience of a phone call. I think you just get something done, dusted, have a cup of coffee, agree a deal, that's it. Um, WhatsApp is a useful tool in the right way, and it's good for clients, or it's good if they're abroad, etc. But for me, pick up the phone. It's an, you know, meeting people and having a cup of coffee and chatting to them is almost a dying breed now. I think it's, it's probably to do with the difference between quality and quantity. I think if you want to make um, really deep connections with somebody, it's very difficult to do that. Not ever having uh, had a conversation, be that over the phone or face to face. It is possible. Certainly, I, I can tell you uh, there's somebody who uh, I follow over social media, they follow me. We, we got connected through our mutual love of Israeli technology and probably whiskey as well. And um, after about two or three years of following each other and, and commenting on each other's posts on LinkedIn and, and Instagram and things like that, um, I see this figure walking towards me in, in King's Cross Station. Um, he goes, Ben, uh, I say his name, uh, yes. And big hug in the middle of King's Cross Station. But that sort of a relationship has probably taken three or four years of, of slow communication of very shared interests. Sounds, sounds like a Eurostar advert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. But I think, as you say, to, to do a proper business deal, especially if you're talking about... A, a tight turnaround. Someone isn't going to recommend us if you haven't met us. They're not going to yeah. say, okay, you're a famous footballer, you want to buy a house for five or ten million pounds, I've heard about somebody. Mm. Yeah. It, it just, you wouldn't do that if you're someone's advisor and you've got their ear, you're not going to put your own neck on the line for that. So, for me, I spend my day drinking coffee. I meet people. That's what I do. It's... You know, some call it the old school schmooze, I, it's whatever that is, but I enjoy meeting people, everyone's different. And so I, I suppose a, a lot of people that we've had um, on the show have kind of said um, that they have advice for people who are coming up in their career. Is that one thing that you think that everybody sh- who's, who's um, growing their career and trying to grow their network should be doing, meeting as many people as possible face to face? Absolutely, meet as many people as possible. Like you could be out and you just don't know what the person next to you does. You could be at a party, start chatting to someone, they could be the most successful person in the world. So I'm British of you, striking up conversations with strangers. Yeah, it's like, it is, and people, people now just won't have conversations with anyone. Yeah, avoid eye contact yeah, at all how costs. How do you pick up the phone to your friends? Never, you WhatsApp them until mm. you see them, but you never pick up the phone to them. 
Um, you know, so if you're driving, okay, I dare, dare the fact that you drive in this country anymore, but if you drive, be on the phone, you know, not just listening to the radio. So to me, it's all about relationship building. That's my advice, because it, it will hold you in good stead over time. And is that, do you think that comes from speaking to people who are already in your network while simultaneously striking up a chat with the guy at the pub, or is there a more focused way of doing it, networking at events, things like that? If there's, a, if there's a really focused way of doing it, I haven't found it yet. To me, the introductions I get are normally lukewarm leads, effectively. Someone said, oh, you should speak to this person. So I do, and they're expecting the call, and it makes it a lot easier, and then you arrange to meet for a cup of coffee. Um, just walking into a room full of people and hoping to meet the right person doesn't really exist. So conferences and things like that, where you get a 1,000 people in uh, the Excel Center, is that something that you would recommend and say go and speak to a thousand people or is it one that you know maybe you could spend your day better off it depends what you're doing if you're trying to sell photocopiers then i'm sure there's a lot of opportunity um for what i'm doing it's a complete waste of time that's real needle in a haystack you might meet the right person etc so that needs a lot more luck so it depends on what you're doing and what your network is so if you're in it and you're some form of tech company and it's a tech conference, then yes, obviously chat to absolutely everybody. Whereas if you're doing what I'm doing and it's a health conference, then it's a complete waste of time. So it just depends. And it's being specific and trying to realize how valuable your time is. That's really interesting. Um, so I, I, one, one last question that I'd, I want to ask is, is um, well, it comes in two parts, because why not? Um, is there anything that you'd have changed uh, within uh, you growing hype? Uh, any actions that you'd have done differently with 2020 hindsight? And with that in mind, what are your what are you trying to achieve in 2020? What are your goals? What does a successful 2020 look like? Oh, I don't know where to start with this. Um, what would I change about hype? We've grown slowly and organically, and I don't know, and I'll never know. If I'd thrown more money at it at the time with very specific advertising and certain things, would it have been different? But at the same time, we're not trying to grow a huge corporate beast. So it's very much, I'm very happy growing organically and just going the way it's going and about spreading the word effectively. 2020, I'd like to be doing more in the US. Really? I'd like to have more USA clients coming into the UK. I want to get into NFL. That's my one to crack for this year. Fascinating. Okay. So how can people, how can people get in touch with you? LinkedIn is my main vice. Um, really? Love LinkedIn. Always posting random rubbish on there. Uh, trying to do more Instagram, but don't really understand it. <laughs> Twitter, I give up. We can have a chat. Yeah. <laughs> if I know I knew someone in PR. <laughs> and yeah, we got our ultimately brilliant one-page website wearehype.com hype spelt h-i-p-e and why the name hype high profile estates ah, it all comes together now. it does indeed um, and it sounded quite cool and then we got someone to design us a nice logo some very very nice business cards so for everyone uh, who wants to get in touch it's dan stein s-t-e-i-n and we are hype spelled H-I-P-E yep. dot com. Yep. Fantastic. Dan, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Uh, this was great. And uh, yeah, good luck. Thank you very much. Cheers.